0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast Podcast. Don't even bother editing that out. Um, We're all drunk. We're all relatively happy. Um, If Decapitation FC hadn't have beaten possibly the worst side you've ever seen at the weekend, we might be a lot happier. But... Um, I've got Beryl Akis, I've got Andy Bale, I've got Johnny Henderson. We've won three, three fucking football matches in a row, lads. Three games in a row. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it really, really is. So, Beryl, let's start with Forrest. Your first, your first wonderful experience of Anfield. Um, We were Decent, like unbelievably dominant, like 80% possession of the football and 1-3-2. Like it makes no sense, but that's kind of this team. They don't make any sense. So like, what was your experience like? Did you enjoy yourself?
1: I very much enjoyed myself. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I want to be on record on the podcast thanking Andy for sorting me out with the... With the tickets, it um, it was a dream come true. Uh, you know, lots of times I've been on the verge of of, of coming and all sorts of things came in between, uh, you know, things from, from uh, global pandemics to other you know, more mundane stuff. But um, it was everything I hoped for. And uh, I, I knew most of the songs and even the, the, the oldest ones, like uh, uh, We Hate uh, Nottingham Forest.
2: Uh, Earl, you told me that was the first song you ever learned as a Liverpool fan. Yeah, which is quite <laughs> fitting. that Your first game was Forest at home.
1: It's it. You know, it 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 we had to be yeah, like this. Never, but, they're uh, shite. They're a shite. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah. Uh. And we had the other ones, and uh, we love Liverpool. Uh. And it it, it was. Strangely, as as if I uh, had been there before, etc., etc. You know, it, um, I, and I loved it, and I loved the people there. Uh, I loved Liverpool, uh, the city. I love the people in 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 Liverpool. Uh, everything was, uh, you know, everything that I hoped for. So yeah, I have been uh, de virginized, if you could say that. that. Um, <laughs> I, I, and. He's popped his cherry, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you know, to boot that uh, we we also won. It was a very crazy game, I had to say. Uh, We had all this possession, and uh, from the cup, it looked like uh, we were scoring, but you know, uh, it it didn't go in. And and later on, I saw it was uh, cleared off uh, cleared off the line by uh, Nico Williams. You know, good on him. He also scored against us. Uh, Again, good on him. Um, Especially so because we won in the end. And all three goals were, you know, our goals were right in front of me. So, yeah, I I had a really, really good time. I'm delighted to hear. Andy,
0: it was a, a bit of a strange game. We were dominant, like unbelievably dominant with the football. But we we still do this thing where, where we're we give up really big chances. Um, and I know probably the is it the is it the second goal the volley from the edge of the box. It's not a massive chance, but listen, for me it's a it's a horrible header from Van Dyke. I fucking hate that header. Did you head it out to the edge of the box? head it out for a throw-in, head it back the way it came, or flick it away. But I think the thing that really encouraged me was we're pegged back twice, and we go again, and we go again, and we go again. And that's something we've actually not seen from this team a lot this season. Something's been labelled at us is that
2: You've got out for me there. Do you want me to just answer? Yeah, just
0: answer the last few weeks. We've seen that mentality change that when the chips are down, instead of folding, we actually go again.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, one of the benefits of Beryl and his cousin kicking me out of my cop seats this weekend was I actually got like a little bit of a tactical view of the game. For once, I was in the upper main, and the like two or three times I've sat in the upper main before. I don't know if it's just coincidence because of the game, but like I've really appreciated Firmino and his play and like watching him sort of from a vantage point. And you kind of get the bird's eye view that you see the analysts do on uh, Monday night football. And like Cody Gakpo is a player that I've I've really extolled in this podcast. I really think the benefits of him, his intelligence are are so impressive. And we'll, you know, we'll certainly come on to talk about him from tonight's game, I hope. But like first half, I thought it was like really drab, really through, really slow really lethargic but when Gakpo got it there was a bit of magic there whether it was like a little burst into space to find a bit of space or whether it was like a turn around the corner there was something like slightly different to everyone else on the pitch which I I really enjoyed
0: it's like it's that level of intelligence that we always spoke about when we talked about Firmino
2: completely like I think I think that's what he is and I think there's whether it was the plan when he came in or not, or whether they've just discovered it now. And as I say, like tonight exacerbates that. For the first sixty minutes tonight against West Ham, he was absolutely unbelievable. And I thought the exact same against um, Nottingham Forest at the weekend. He's unlucky not to score from that first chance where he like hooks around the corner. And it's cleared off the line. We create one or two chances. I think Jota has a chance, back post with a header, but we're not really doing enough. And you sort of think that, could this become one of those games that just like sort of ends one-one if they get a chance? We don't do quite enough, but like when the game gets scrappy, who's your man? It's Diego Jota every day of the week. He gets that scrappy first goal header across, and he puts it in. And it's no surprise because he's he's sort of like a patchy player. He hasn't scored for a year, but once he scored two, he scores another two at the weekend. And you know he, he had a couple of chances tonight in the West Ham game. So like it was no surprise for me to see him get the goal. His second goal is a pure confidence goal, the ball over the top, the touch to take it down to know he's in space and volley it in. Like, I thought he was just like really, really good without being sort of as sexy in a way as Gakpo is in open play. is just sort of a little bit bitty. He works well in general play. He gets you up the pitch. He wins your corners. He wins your throw-ins. And, you know, he'll always sort of take a chance when it's presented to him and he'll always sort of get chances. So I was really impressed with him. Obviously, Sally gets the final goal, but yeah, you're absolutely right. From defensive set pieces, were really, really poor. Every time we can see the throw in, or a free kick, or a um, or a corner, you thought this is going to be a big chance. But apart from that, I thought we defended pretty well. And like, for example, the expected goals shows we were very much full value for that win. I think.
0: Yeah, agreed, Johnny. Jara. I heard Jota described as streaky
1: mm-hmm.
0: yesterday, or the day before, and that might be fair. But there's another player that I can remember that Liverpool signed that has been described as tricky, and that's Sadio Mane. That was that was generally the one thing that people consistently said about him, as he was tricky, and they're not wrong. You know, he was tricky, but. You know, it didn't mean he wasn't world class. I'm not saying John is world class, but what I am saying is there were three, four weeks ago, shouts to sell him. Someone comes in and offers 40 million, sell him, but he is the he's the definition of efficiency, isn't he?
3: Yeah. I mean, they the the, the people that were saying this. Salim needed a slap in the head. Really? I mean, Andy, I mean you're gonna you know, have
0: to slap Jay then, because we're not close enough to do that. I'll happily
2: yeah. slap Jay. I'll,
3: I'll happily slap Jay next time I'm over in Liverpool for that. For that. Yeah, like it's it's just such nonsense. I mean, people forget he had such a bad injury. I mean, he had a really really bad injury. You knew when it happened. It was it was bad, and I and he's taken a while and. He's, he's one of these players, Jota. Like when he's in a rhythm and he's playing a lot, you know, you really. And it took him. He, you know, there were some players just there. Were some players had a knack of coming back from injuries, and they just hit the ground running. Jota isn't. <laughs> you know, you could tell he was rusty and stuff like that. And,
0: and Johnny, um, that is one of the thing that one of the things that Klopp talks about a lot is rhythm. And yeah, it might yeah. take a manager like Klopp to persist with. Him, like the first half an hour against Leeds, where it's like one of the all-time worst Liverpool player performances ever. And then... <laughs> he was and,
3: brutal. He was and, absolutely brutal.
0: I know. Yeah. But his industry, he wins the ball, he runs 30 yards, he makes a goal. And then all of a sudden, we have our with Jota back.
3: Yeah. Like, he's the thing with Jota is, I he's always a threat. I think he's always a threat. He's always pressing. He's always a pest. He's narky. He he gets in people's faces. He's physical. He competes for everything. And when he's on it, he's always a goal threat. I mean, we've seen it in the game. Obviously, the finish is, you know, it's a brave poachers header, the first goal against Forrest. The second one is, of course, it's terrible defending. They give him far too much time. But it's a hell of a goal. You know, he, he takes it on his chest, he steadies it on his on his thigh and he smacks it in. And you've seen him tonight at West Ham too, where he he's right in there. There is one where he sort of shins it over the bar and he another one with a header, but he's he's always right there. And last season, I think people have short memories, when we, in the business end last season, probably from late January through to like April when we were, just staying in competitions, there were so many games where he just done the business. I remember the cup tie; I think it was a at Forest, wasn't it? And he, you know, he popped up. He was he, he was playing through the middle a bit, and he he, he popped up with big, big
2: goals. He's Johnny, just, seeing that period you're reliable. talking about, yeah, like January day, March or April, for yeah. me, he was our best player last year.
3: Yeah, he was fabulous. He's, He's just I what I love about Jada is his mentality. He's a killer in front of goal. He really is. He's so efficient. He's a killer. He and he's he's got a he's he's got a temperament about him as well. Jada, he doesn't get overly phased, he doesn't get too emotional in a game. He just he, he just does his business. He's very efficient. And I think if we're gonna get away back to being successful and back, you know, challenging for titles. Champions League, playing regularly in the Champions League, we're going to need Jota because he can come in, he can do a job we've seen him coming off the bench winning games, yeah um, it's great and I'm delighted for him, I'm delighted for him that he got his two goals, he easily could have had a couple tonight but Di- Diogo Jota is not a player we should be considering getting rid of at all, for me it would be lunacy.
0: Lunacy is a very good way to describe it. Beryl, um I know we've we could probably pick a load, dozens of flaws out of the last two games. Three two at home the forest, the team with literally statistically the worst away record in the league. Um West Ham, they're shite, but they've been on a little bit of a run. We ride our luck a little bit but we we get over the line and people can say, oh, yeah, they lucky to to do this and lucky to do that. But you forget that, for me, those two results and performances are the staple of why this team has been successful. We are pegged back twice against Forrest. We go behind against West Ham, who are... Let's not forget riding the crest of a wave right now after making it to a European semi-final and smashing Bournemouth four away from home. But those are the games and those are the performances. The one the one goal wins against the mediocre shit that we haven't been doing all season. And this to me now feels like the proper Liverpool as opposed to and six against Leeds or, or whatever it might be
1: yeah I, I i can totally agree with that it's um um uh, you know uh, historically w- winning at, at uh, west ham I- isn't uh, a mean feat you know this season it has been uh, i don't know if if there's um um uh, you know if you, if you could say that um, they have been overperforming last year or they have been underperforming this year, but it uh, doesn't matter. Um, lately, they have been better than, uh, you know, than uh, this season they have been generally. But again, I would say, it, you know, winning there is no mean feat in general, I would say. So uh, if you then go behind, and and we weren't playing badly, and, and did they just you know get a shot in i think um, both henderson and fabinho don't cover themselves in uh, in glory um w- with that but uh and then the shot comes in and then Virgil van Dijk gets out of the way rather than blocking it but um you know we've uh, talked about this in in our group chat um what i've heard and this is from from dutch channels uh is that the, the keeper uh, the goalkeeper and the, the goalkeeper's trainer have asked the you know the players not to get in the way of a, a shot if they don't think they can block it entirely. So if they are they think they will only deflect it, and there is still a chance they will be on target, but you know uh, more unpredictably, then they are asked to get out of the way and. You know th- that would be the most uh positive uh, explanation of what uh, Virgil did there because you know he got out of the way and and the the, the shot was on target and it was uh, you know not uh you know, not to be saved by by Alison you're not convincing me Beryl no yeah I'm not convincing myself either so but you know this is um <laughs> this this is the only way I can look at it. Um, uh, other than thinking, um, you know, I, I don't know what Virgil was trying to do there, uh, other than get out of the way of the ball and giving uh, Alisson a, a clear view on the shot. Nevertheless, you know, ne- nevertheless, it, it went in we, as we all know. But we did the same on the other hand, uh, on the other side, I would say, uh, you know, when we talk, we, we were talking about Gakpo. When he just came in, and 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 I was probably the one who saw most of him. Uh, one of the things that, that I tried to highlight was uh, the fact that he has a really really good uh, dead ball delivery and a really good shot. And you saw that shot. It wasn't, you know, uh, the 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 thunder bastard as uh, as the, as some might call it that that you uh, would see in a in a highlight reel or in a, in the goal of the month uh, competition. But I, I think. Um, Fabianski was made to look bad because it, it even comes off the pitch again. Uh, I, I don't think any goalkeeper can 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 hold that ball, can 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 save that that shot. Um, and getting back, uh, uh, get, getting uh, you know the equalizer that that soon probably is is a very good thing. And after that, you know, I, I thought. You know, the one goal that they scored was a, a very low xG, uh, go, uh, you know, shot. If if I may uh, entertain that uh, uh, school of thought, um, and w- we had all of the dominance, we had all of the possession. We, I, I'm not sure. You know, we need to work on on uh, creating more goal chances from uh, the uh, these new tactics that we are. Um, that we are uh, uh, working with. But, uh, you know, we are very dominant, and lots of it had to, has to do, of course, with Trent's uh, new position. And, uh, and um, you know, you didn't ask me about Trent, but I, I'm going to say it anyway. I, I think the way he, he operates at this moment, he, you know, if he does this for a season, everybody will be talking about, you know, one of the best players in the world. It's, it's, incredible how dominant he is and how dominant he makes us and if we can get more chances out of this and I, i'm sure we will i'm really sure we will then yeah this is this is the the way to go forward i would say and, and probably better to grind it out than to um score four or five or six or whatever yeah, it's
0: been a staple of this side. Um, Andy, I'm going to let you have a go at Gakpo. Um, the goal is, like, it's literally out of nothing. He takes it, turns, and it's one of those, you No know, when people say no backlift, you don't really expect the shot. And I think that's probably what catches Fabianski out. He doesn't really expect the shot because his body shape doesn't. It doesn't resemble anything like a normal footballer or an average human being would shape when they're about to try and kick the ball into the net from 20-something yards out. He's adding goals. That back post tap-in looks to be like, that's what I want to see from him. But there are things there that he can't do that Bobby did. But I think what we saw tonight are things that he can do that Bobby can't do. Um, He gets us back into the game out of absolutely nothing. And that is the catalyst because I think from the equaliser, we are a different side. And similar to Arsenal, I know people will point to the Shaka trent thing, but we score like 60 seconds after that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a toss-up as to what actually is the catalyst here. But from we get that goal back against Arsenal, we're a completely different sides at the end of the first half and right into the second half. That pose unique ability to score something from nothing for me is the platform for us to build and is his link up play, is intelligence, when to release the ball, shields it really well. It's all very, very bobby stuff. But then he makes a run the first half on the left-hand side of the touchdown where he beats two, just glides past them. And he gives me, like, this is very hyperbolic, okay? Very, very hyperbolic. But the way he moves, how tall and lean he is and how skillful he is, it gives me kind of early Bordeaux Zidane sort of
2: vibes. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I think he's a... Phenomenal signing. Johnny Henderson is disgusted by that comparison. By the way, I can tell you for those who, uh, well, nobody's watching this in the video.
1: But, but but you you've you've never seen early Bordeaux Zidane, Andy. Come on. No, you're right. absolutely right. I have I <laughs> haven't seen I haven't
2: seen late France or Real Madrid Zidane. they are all just to completely expose me on this podcast. But um, on Gakpo, man, I love him. Like I absolutely love him first sort of six or seven games I understand he came in we were trying him on the left and like what's the interesting thing is Dave like we've said about Nunez the fact that we seem to have brought him in without knowing how to play him whereas Gakpo probably history will rewrite this as we brought him in as the number nine to replace Firmino but that actually wasn't necessarily the case because we played him on the left for five or six games and he was he was completely ineffective and Based on what we've seen from from Jurgen Klopp-Liverpool sides, the two wingers, to like reduce it to a very basic level, have to be dead quick. Purely because Firmino was always that number nine, so you needed that pace in behind. And I know you remember that first season Klopp came in when we had the front three of Lallana, Coutinho and Firmino, and it was brilliant. It was technically brilliant, but there was no pace in behind, and that killed us in the end with that front three. So you expect if you've got sort of a, a slightly sort of striker, you've got, you've got two really quick uh, wingers in behind. But like some of Gakpo's intelligence, man, it's ridiculous. It's uh, He's almost the first player since Suarez who has made me laugh.
0: It's, me- the- it's almost methodical,
2: isn't it? He's made me laugh with some of the things he did. Like that little flick over the head tonight. It's, it, it didn't like particularly amount to anything, but it just was it just got us that little bit of space. It got us out of danger, and the more he does that, the more sort of chances we'll create, and the goals we'll score. Um, and I don't want to make it like a Gakpo versus Nunez thing, but for me, watching that, the way I want to see Liverpool play, if I think it's high, I want to see Liverpool play like Gakpo's a million miles ahead of Nunez in that uh, in that central role, and we can talk about the left the left hand side roles as a, as a separate conversation, but. Uh, honestly like some of the stuff the weight of pass the um the shot for the goal Burrows, absolutely right i screamed in the pub don't shoot because we had like two or three options on the right coming through and we could have quite easily created a situation where we we had an overload in the box with it with a player playing on the right but he knows he's got that in his locker and Burrows told us before from having watched him in the netherlands that he has that shot in his locker and you know we see it tonight and at the time, I think it's just a scuffed shot that's trying to swing into the corner, but it's not. He's caught that perfectly. He's caught the movement on it perfectly, and it just shows how good a player he is. The commentator mentioned tonight six or seven league goals he's got now, which is which is pretty outrageous for a player who's come in so early in such a like supposedly poor team. Like he's he's just been so good. I'm so glad we've signed him. When you look back to January, there's an absolutely fair argument to saying that we should have signed a midfielder ahead of him. We should have spent $40 million getting a midfielder in. Would that have got us top for this season? I'm not entirely sure, but we know that Jürgen and the club don't really operate in those kind of ways. And I think the level of quality we've got in with Gakpo and his intelligence is just kind of unique in a way. And even if we have had to throw away Champions League football for a season, which I don't believe we've been thinking as a club, But even if we have had to do it, I think it might be worth it because going forward and challenging for league titles, this guy's the man you want as number nine. He's absolutely a European Cup and Premier League winner in the making. Um, And if we want to get back to that stage, we can absolutely have him as a number nine. He's so, so good.
0: Yeah, Johnny, I'm kind of... I'm very much on board with what Andy's saying.
2: Um, I know
0: you scoffed at my Zidane comparisons, but what I was trying to, trying to get at was that he's a very tall, very athletic, very lean footballer that you don't necessarily associate with having that close control, that ability to shield the ball from three players around you and just do something really classy and really sensible at the same time. So yeah. that worked. <clears throat> from and I don't want to get into the the the, the Nunez gap argument but I'll do it anyway for Sits and girls <laughs> yes, this conversation with you on here where, where are you with where are you with this is I think it's very very pertinent that we've seen that same front three rolled out probably f- f- at least three games in a row maybe four maybe five games in a row um, I think Chelsea's the last game that, that Nunez starts, and that's kind of a, we're going to shuffle the pack here, given they're coming thick and fast, but for me, this, this is like Klopp's thinking Gakpo's his way home and trying to recreate that that nino yeah. Salah Mane scenario.
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, I did do a bit of an exaggerated reaction there about Zidane, I just didn't see that coming. when you talked about it, but yeah, he, is, he, he has got a bit of a wiry frame, and I'm probably going to say something controversial about Zidane, and that he was a beautiful player to watch. You can't take his World Cups, his World Cup, and his performances for France away. But actually, Zidane is statistically probably, if you actually look back, I think he's a very overrated player. <laughs> There's a controversial view. Um, yeah. Um, and I'm just gonna I'm,
1: controversial because it's wrong. Yeah,
3: not controversial because it's wrong. It's there was actually loads of seasons in A where he his numbers and his stats are utterly mediocre. I don't, I don't know if
2: you've ever seen, uh, if you've ever listened to the football cliches podcast. Um, but he's in their over mythologized eleven based on the yeah. fact that he actually wasn't very really good at club level for, for quite a long time, apparently.
3: No, your man, Michael Cox, um, you, there's a guy, Michael Cox, did a lot of tactical uh, stuff. I don't know if he's still on Twitter. He actually did a brilliant piece about him. Uh, like, there were literally seasons at Juventus, full Serie A seasons, where he scored, like, three goals. Like, <laughs> and he was playing as an attacking midfielder. So he is, he's a player of moments. Uh like his big flying kick for Real Madrid and his headers in World Cup finals. But actually, if you look at his career and stats. But anyway, moving swiftly on. Just seeing that you mentioned Zizi. Um, you're, who was you're, it,
0: who, you're appalled that I mentioned Gakpo in the same sentence as Zidane. But then exactly. you on to tell me how fucking shit Zidane was.
3: No, no, no. I wasn't. I didn't do it for that reaction. I just didn't expect a Zidane comparison. That was I just went, whoa, Zidane, where did that come from? But I'm just putting it out there that Zizou wasn't all he's cracked up to be. But anyway, um, fine player to watch. So I love my Zizou to watch. But anyway, um, yeah, no, no, listen, what you're saying, absolutely agree with everything you're saying and that, yeah, there, there's a reason Klopp has stuck with this three. I think he's found a bit of chemistry, he likes the way they play I wasn't really I mean I enjoyed watching Gap go he looked really good in the World Cup um, but obviously it wasn't a player that I was thinking God he's an essential signing for Liverpool Um over recent weeks he's really he's, he's impressed me massively um, he's just brought things to the team already that I didn't think a player so young would have in him uh, is intelligence. I think that's the one thing Andy keeps talking about in the in the WhatsApp, isn't it? His, his game intelligence, his knowledge of when to drop. Um, he's doing a lot of Bobby Firmino-like things in the way he's providing that. It overloads in midfield, he drops deep. His timing of a pass is occupying the space his movement he's he really is uh, he, he has all the makings of a top top drawer footballer I and I thought tonight I mean that for me tonight I thought was his best performance on the red shirt you know you might argue the United game because you know he scores he scores fucking two wonderful goals in that game
0: I, and said, I wouldn't Go as far as to say it's one of the my favorite Liverpool goals. Yeah, to- one
3: of one of the most aesthetically pleasing Liverpool goals because of the way Salah makes a mug out of Martinez and then slides it, and it's just so deft against the De guy, isn't it? But actually, I think it's an all-round performance, and what was a tough game. Um, I thought I just thought he was excellent tonight. I, I thought he. The way he linked the play, he, he makes everything gel. I totally agree with Andy and that there isn't a debate at the moment. I, I like Nunez. I think Nunez can have a big uh, I think he can have a big future and a big impact at Liverpool, but you look at the way we're set up currently, and it everything looks better when Gapco plays. Everything looks better it in, in makes, that position.
0: It makes more sense, doesn't it?
3: Of course it does. Of course it does, and it does raise the question about Nunez, and you know where does he fit? Because you know Gap goes making that position his own. <laughs> you know that performance tonight. There's not a hope. There's no chance the Klopp is going to take him out of there. And then you and look yeah, at the left, and you've Jota. Yeah, yeah, you've yeah exactly.
0: Where does Darwin sit within the Nunez uh, Diaz Jota? I
3: D- D- I mean Diaz has had two cameos, but he's really impressed me. He looks really sharp. Obviously, we're being really careful with him. We're only giving him like 10-15 minutes, but he looks razor sharp. He's he's getting away from people. He doesn't look to have lost any of his trickery or pace or confidence. and um, Jada's obviously just off the back of a, a real goal scoring run with you know the performance at you know at, at Leeds and, and against so, yeah, I think for Darwin, it's. Um, I, I think there's six league games left. I think Darwin's firmly in cameo mode for the rest of the season. It's going to be cameos for him. And that's. And as long as we're winning games, he can't really, really argue with that. But uh, yeah, Gapco's been a real, a real revelation in the last couple of games. And um, I'd go as far as to say, you know, He's the guy now you want to build this attack around as a, as a Fulcrum. I mean, don't get me wrong, obviously we've got Mo there. Mo is still a bit wide for my liking. I still would like him picking up the ball closer to goal. Um, he just doesn't appear to be the same goal threat. But we've 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 I don't know if it's been planned or if
0: we've stumbled onto something.
3: But the it's incredible.
0: will finishes over thirty goals this year. I know. I know. I know, that sounds churlish, doesn't it? But In a team that isn't functioning. Yeah.
3: I, I, I get all that. I, I do get that. He's a wonderful player and he's always going to be a, a goal threat. I just think he just feels like he's still too wide. I, I just think I would rather he was getting on the ball closer to goal. and I know yeah. we're having to compromise things. where We are playing Trent now, the shape's changed and and maybe that width down the right-hand side, you know, there is more space to occupy down there now because Trent isn't there. He's coming in field. But, yeah, he, I just never thought... I, I never felt Salah look like scoring tonight. It's really unusual to say that about Mo. Yeah,
0: I know what you mean. And I, I feel I feel like uh, a Mason Mount will solve that conundrum, the right-hand side of that midfield three. That's, that's the thing that I'm looking at. But we'll move on. Um, they're all... Massive concerns from all around the Liverpool fan base when Kanate is not available and not playing. And then, well, maybe not from you, but from the majority, 95%. I'm like, I fucking love Joel Malib. I don't know why. I used to hate him. Johnny, Johnny will tell you, the one word I used to describe Joel Malib with was, Passive, he was so passive. I remember that Bournemouth game where Carius does his thing, but Joel Matip is as if not more culpable for that performance than Lars Carius was.
2: Dave, this is just just to come in and mat up there. This is one of the places where I would say I've got a Liverpool signing completely wrong because I absolutely hated him when he first came in, and because he wasn't Dejan Lovren, everyone thought he was the messiah, and he absolutely wasn't. Right now, I'd actually have him in my all-time Liverpool starting eleven over Carragher and Hippia. That's how good he's been last few years. Um, yeah.
0: He he. Something happened within him that he just became more aggressive and more front foot, and he's just, he is a he's a cla- he's as Hansen-esque as any Liverpool centre half has been since. Alan Hansen played. That's my opinion. But we're all we're, we're concerned. He's absolutely fucking superb. And we're all even more concerned because of the new Trent position. And we can only do that with Trent if we have Ibu Canate. But Matt comes in and then he's brilliant. He's a class act. Goes to his little wonders. And then it's a fucking bullet header to win the game as well. And we know he has that on his locker too. So, you know, I don't want to do the thing, oh, someone's had a good game. So we don't need to sign another right sided centre half. Yes, we probably do. But I think it's a very timely reminder that this player is still good enough to play for the majority of the top 20 sides in the world.
1: And the only concern I would have about Matip is, is uh, his fitness, but you I'm know sure. you, you, it seems the whole fucking squad. Yeah, you could say the the exact same thing about Ibu Konate. You know, I love Ibu because, um, and and you know, let's not forget that Ibu is a lot younger than uh, than uh, Matip is, and um, it, even. You Know when you see uh Konate moving, you know, Ibu moving, and you see he's still growing into his body. If if you if you know, if that makes sense, he he uh, when I was watching him uh, during the warm up, um, you know, one of the things that you can do if you are actually in the stadium, uh, I could see that he um, he he gets you know, if he if he uh, Tries to control the ball, then it's too much under him. If that makes sense, he, he should take the ball slightly more in front of him. Ibu Konate, I'm talking about here. But you know, never mind that because I, I think I, there, there's still some development to to be uh, uh, to be achieved with him. And, and you know, I, I, I'm I'm very sure that Ibu Konate will will be and if he isn't already a, a world class defender, but I wasn't very worried because uh, you know one of the the things that uh, happens when you have trent uh, in midfield w- w- which we now have even more so than we we already did is that uh, trent gets uh, gets pressed um and w- w- which which uh, you know you, you can only uh, double up uh, on a midfielder if you leave someone else and uh, you know in, in most games that we uh, uh, tried this tactics. It was Ibu Konate. If you leave another player uncovered, um, you know, uh, against Leeds, against uh, Nottingham Forest, you saw that uh, you know uh, they left uh, Ibu Konate with the ball. So you know, you try to do something with it. You know that sort of tactic, and he tried, and and sometimes it was good, and sometimes it was not not as good. And and uh, at that moment, I thought uh This is where the, the, the passing, but also the dribbling of, uh, of of Matip would come in really handy. And we saw flashes of that uh, today. Um, you know, uh, Matip has his own weaknesses, but uh, yeah, I never doubted uh, it, that he's a really good defender. And there is a, a really good chemistry between him and Virgil van Dijk, um, uh, as we know. Uh, so yeah, I I, I I wasn't worrying a lot about him, uh, you know, except for if uh, there are balls played behind him, he isn't as quick and he isn't as quick to turn. But with the ball, he's probably even better than then Ibu Korate and uh, Ibu Korate will get better in time. But at this moment in time, I, I you know, yeah, let's go with Joel. As long as we can, uh, you know, we got him for free. So if he leaves for free, what's the problem? Let's let's have him as long as we can, I would say.
2: Earl, you know, my concern with Matip in, in this formation, it was first of all that like Trent coming into midfield in possession, if we've got three at the back now, can we afford one of our centre-halves to do the Maisie run? Because that leaves two. Um, And the second thing was like, if Trent goes so far forward, the way Kanate did in the Champions League final, where he basically played as a right back at times against Vinicius and did amazingly, by the way. But that's it because. Very
0: it was very um, early last season, Matthew
2: Werner. Completely. But we, we trust that right sided centre back like Kanate to go out. And if Trent gets caught up the pitch, we trust Kanate to effectively be a right back against Vinicius for his pace. Do we think that. Well, cer- certainly for me, Gomez can't be that player. But do we think Matip, even if we're, we're playing him... Gomez sort of once was every, He was that player, but he's not anymore. Is Matip, if he plays once every two weeks, can we get him back to that level to be that player We can, where he can have that pace and that intelligence to play that Kanate role where when he needs to go out to right-back, which traditionally centre-halves don't like to do, can he do it? That's my question. Uh,
1: you know, intelligence will never be the question with Joel Matip, I would say. And and it wasn't the question with uh, with Gomez as well. I, I, you know, I I think uh, with Gomez at at this point in time, I, I would say uh, the injuries have, have caught up with them, um, uh, mixing it up with the confidence issue as well. Uh, I don't know what game it was, but you know, it, when the two of them were our um, center uh, defensive pairing, and we Oh, it was Wolverhampton, wasn't it? it? And it was the most atrocious um, uh, showing that I've seen for a long time uh, from those two in, in, the, in the first 15 minutes or so.
0: So, yeah. I that it was actually another game not that long ago. I don't think it was Wolves where Manip and Gomez started. <sighs> God, are you I sure think.
1: it wasn't Wolves? It, it was
3: Wolves, was it not Wolves away this season where we
1: got I thought so, battered? yeah. yeah. They, they scored two goals in in the, in the first um fifteen or twenty minutes from maybe maybe I'm think,
0: nothing. Maybe I'm thinking away to Chelsea when it was Canate and Madep, and it was an absolute horror show for the first half
1: an hour. <laughs> yeah, and and we still drew, but you know, drawing against Chelsea is actually not a very good. Uh, yeah, well uh in <laughs> you know, the context of this season um but yeah uh on Matip, I I, I would I, I think I would retain him and I would I would um I would uh I, I think if Joe Gomez could still be a, the player that that he he was a couple of seasons ago but not at Liverpool because he he, he won't get a run of games he uh, he would always feel that you know another player will will replace him if 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 he doesn't or replace him uh, if he doesn't um, you know play uh, as he's supposed to so yeah, I I really love and you know the player the person and I I would say probably better that he goes in somewhere else and we get in someone else who who can be the the, the stand-in for. Well, both Virgil and uh, and Konate, uh, uh, if you have Joao Matip there, you know, no worries, man. Uh, I, you know, I I loved how he scored that goal. You know, Ben Rama thought by blocking him just once that would be enough for the for, for that corner, and he went in and just. Headed it in,
2: and you know after thing. missing a sitter as well. Like one yeah, of those brilliant headers where
0: I didn't even realize it was a goal until it was rolling out of the net because it was met so perfectly. It fucking it was it came off his head like it was shot out of a cannon, and it was rolling out of the net. Did did that hit the stanchion in the back and come out? I don't know. Absolutely amazing.
1: I um, couldn't believe how, how, how free he was. and you know, it, was, it was a training exercise goal.
0: Yeah, it's one of those nice goals from a player that I think just seems really sound. And Virgil thinks he's class. So, well, what else do you need in your life? If, Vir- if Virgil thinks you're class, I think I'd probably just hang the boots up there and then. Andy, um, let's look to the weekend then. Um, Spurs. Like, Spurs at home or away, you expect to win, but it's always a bit dodgy. Johnny, you and I were at the, like, fuck, that was absolute chaos. Alderweireld on goal in the last minute.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, that was something. Yeah, we were, we were sitting beside each other. So I think it took me 15 minutes to find you after <laughs> that goal went in. It was absolutely absurd and those th- that was the moment where we thought things like that don't happen unless you're going to win the league
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah
0: and it, turns, it, turn,
3: mean, it turns out when you're up against a billion pound sports washing operation those things can happen and you still don't win the league sadly
0: yes. with the 102 um Alleged financial infractions, but we'll not get into that now. Uh, I, th- I think it's
3: 115, isn't
0: it? Oh, is it? Sorry, yeah. By the way, Arsenal fans, welcome to fucking our world. But anyway, um, completely lost my train of thought. So sorry, Spurs. This is, <laughs> this is this is this is Spurs at their lowest ebb. They are a fucking mess. We're at home. And surely we go out. Who is it going to be? Ryan Mason. It could be fucking Harry Kane. Ryan Mason. Is it? Yeah.
2: Okay, fine. Probably Harry Kane telling him who to pick. Who knows? But, but Dave, our, our home form is excellent. Is excellent. Despite this season, right? Like, no, it's looking. not
0: title winning, but it's it's top
2: three. If you look at our away form this season, and this is bearing in mind after the last two wins, we've got 19 points from 17 games. If you go at that rate, you're in danger of relegation. Like our away form has genuinely been relegation form. Now your home form will always be slightly better than it. But at home, we've always still been pretty good. So how many, now, points, have pardon?
0: How many points have we
2: now? In total in the
0: league? Yeah. Yeah.
2: We have, um, hold on, we have 53 points from 32.
0: Okay. And 19 of those points are away from home?
2: 19 away, 34 at home. If we win our game in hand at home, we'll go second in the home league table.
0: Yeah. So if you're replicating your away form, like we have generally done for the last four or five years with your home form, Mm -hmm. we're sitting on 68, 69, 70 points.
2: Yeah. Yeah, which absolutely.
0: Is probably top four. So, yes, home, as you say, and this Spurs side, like uh, that Dave, was. That.
3: I was just going to come in and I've, I've just, yeah, Andy's buying on there. I was just going to say very quickly 15 home games so far this season, 10 wins, four draws, one loss, which was that freak game against Leeds, 39 4, 13 against. So, we're averaging, we're scoring three for every goal we concede at home. Yeah. Um, plus 26 goal difference. Yeah, different animal at home.
0: Totally. Newcastle's birthday and Andy was the closest yeah. I've seen to us playing Arsenal in 2013 when we just obliterated them in 20 minutes. And I thought I would never see the like of that again, but I saw that. To me, that wasn't so much down to how good Newcastle were. Which for me against Arsenal, it was very much down to how good Liverpool were then. This was a Spurs team that are absolutely on their fucking knees.
2: They are, and there's always this worry about the new manager bounce, or the new manager bounces leads had for a little while. But like for me, certainly if we're gonna win, if we're gonna get into the top four, which I think we all agree now, even if six wins. Would that get us top four? There's a question about that, but we certainly need at least six wins to get in the top four. We've said that from the Arsenal game, we needed nine wins. Now, we've been to Leeds and we've been to West Ham, which are team's towards the bottom of the table, but they're not away games that we've been winning this season. They're two really, really good away wins. And from the weekend to now, to tonight's game, I've been sort of thinking, if we get past West Ham, we've three home games in a row. And I'm not banking on us winning all three home games because like we certainly know with Liverpool this season, we just can't do that. But Spurs at home, Brentford at home, Fulham at home, they're three good teams, but Liverpool at Anfield going for the Champions League, it's three games that you should be winning. So we have, we've won the last three. The next three are at home against nobody above us, really, apart from Spurs. If we can win that and win those games, all of a sudden we're on six wins from six. And then it starts becoming the momentum we've had in the COVID season where we were absolutely dreadful between January and and March. We lost six home games in a row, 1-0, pretty much.
0: What I will say to you, Andy, is I think during that period of three games, it takes Newcastle to lose a game. It does. If, If
2: they do, if they lose one, I feel like more will follow. I think I think you're relying on a Newcastle collapse, and we are not sure whether that will happen. But well, in terms we, of winning, it, it, we, if you we, ask me, if you ask me after, but, after we can, but we can influence a Newcastle collapse if we if we even appear to be on on a run. If and here's the thing: with with six with six or seven games to go in the COVID season, we were all saying there's no chance. There's absolutely no chance. We actually end up qualifying with a game to, to spare. In that season, we finished third, but we finished four points out of fifth. The thing you forget about top four teams, because we've been used to winning the title challenge with City year after year after year, where after February, you pretty much have to win every single game. We forget that's actually not what top four races are about. Top four teams are a little bit shit. We're a little bit shit. Newcastle are a little bit shit. Man United are a little bit shit. They'll drop points where you don't expect them to. And, like, you look at Newcastle fixtures, they're still to go to Everton. Do you back, you, you know, type of game I'd expect Everton to maybe get something from with the Goodison crowd at this time of the year? They're still to play Arsenal. They've still to play like a couple of tough games. I think they've still moved to go to Wolves and stuff. Like, those types of games, the pressure that they haven't had on before, as long as we put the pressure on them and make them work for it, if they get enough points, fair enough. But I do get the feeling that maybe if we get um, six wins from these next six, that we will do it. We've three home games now, as I say, if we can win them, and there's no guarantee that we will, or based on this season that we might, but if we win them, that's six from six. And then all of a sudden you have to go to Leicester and Southampton, which are the two bottom teams in the league. Maybe not now, but certainly there were like a week or two ago and you've got Villa at home and you can't actually talk about a run being put together. And I think like the spirit of the team, the way you see them playing against like Leeds, and tonight, like fighting for every ball, you just didn't really see that earlier in the season. We put five or six wins together. You do see that. You start seeing them fighting for each other. And I think the way you're going to set up that squad in that dressing room, we're more likely to put a mad run like that at the end of the season compared to a similar team of the quality that we have, a similar team around fifth, sixth or seventh. You know what I mean? So um, in terms of this weekend, it's going to be difficult. They're not a bad team. What are they going to do formation-wise? But, as I say, these three home games, Spurs, Brentford, Fulham, good teams, but they're, they're three games you'd take at this point of the season every day of the week. And if we don't win all three, we probably don't deserve to be in the European Cup next season.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And let's be honest, there's a lot of reasons why we don't deserve to be in the European Cup next season. But there's a lot of teams that have finished third and fourth in the Premier League in the last 10 years. You could say the same about Johnny. Newcastle um, Newcastle away to Everton in their next game. Are
3: you trying to goad me? You're still trying to goad me. I'm just saying it's on. It's going to happen. Aren't you? I,
0: I am merely giving you the facts, Johnny, and allowing you to come to your own conclusion. <laughs> um, there is a world... And I think I'll always hark back to when when Chief and I spoke before the home leg against Barcelona in the Champions League semi-final where I said, there, w- there is a world where, not even a world, at some point at some point during that match, you'll look at the score, you'll look at the time, you look at the way the teams are playing and you'll think Liverpool have a chance here. Although we were 4-0 down vividly remember saying to him, at some point you will think we have a real chance here. And I kind of feel like that at the moment. I feel like there will be at some point over the next, what, is it six games, six, seven games, we will have a chance of nipping into the top four. Now, I feel like if Newcastle, for example, go to Everton and drop two or three points, and we win our game I will think we have a chance and I think there is a huge implication not just on what that does to us but what that does to them we've seen what Arsenal have reduced themselves to since well since we pegged them back from two goals down they dropped two points that they thought were in the thought were in the bag and they've fallen apart after that.
3: Since 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 Jacka, um wound up Anfield, you mean their season's
0: close? Well, he scored 60 seconds after that. So I don't know. I personally I would attribute it more to the goal than than that. Now maybe it's the goal is a subsequent um outcome of that, but whatever. <laughs> the point of am making is is that. Something very, very insignificant in the grand scheme of things happened to them and it has contributed to this huge collapse because the other team kept on fucking winning. Now, if we're that other team against Newcastle that keeps on fucking winning and they drop a couple of points...
3: Mm. No, listen. I, I think we've left too much to do um, because I think... Oh, oh, look, look, it all looks like if we win our last six games, and that's like big if, like that that would be, we've won, what, three in the bounce now in the league? So that would be finishing with nine wins in a row, which is way above anything we've shown all season.
0: Totally, um, but Newcastle have won six in the last seven.
3: Yeah, listen, I do take your point about Newcastle the game are not that-,
0: that good, Johnny.
3: No, I know they're not that, that good. United are
0: going to finish third, and they're fucking awful.
3: No, I know they're not that good. We've just been awful and left ourselves too much to do. I'm not going to dispute what you're saying about the game tomorrow night. It's really important because if we win our last six games, which is a big if, Newcastle would need, assuming their goal difference stays better than ours, the minimum they need to do then is win four games from their last seven. I think it's their last seven, isn't it? They've played... um, yeah, they've played 31 games. They'd need to win, yeah, four from the last seven. Now, if they win at Everton, they're, 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 you know, winning four then looks eminently achievable if you're Newcastle, because if they win at Everton, that means they need three wins. And bear in mind that to get those three wins, they've got Southampton at home, <laughs> at the weekend, which is probably... The
0: Who suddenly looks like might be a better side than national all season. all season. They're still bottom
3: of the league. Do you know what I mean? They've got Southampton at home. They've got Arsenal at home. Now, obviously, that's going to be a tricky game, although Arsenal are really going through the wobble. You know, they've more or less lost the league tonight. Then they go to Leeds. Leeds are leaking goals. Home to Brighton. Mm, I don't know. Brighton at home. Brighton or a really good side, but they lost 3 1 a forest tonight. You you worry that maybe that extra time defeat to United's maybe broken their resolve a bit. Then they've got Leicester at home, which is another I know they're fighting for their lives. And then There's they've got a nice
0: game. They're, they're better now. now.
3: They are better. And then they go to Chelsea on the final day, but Chelsea are absolutely pants. I mean Brentford beat them 2-0 tonight. So, so,
2: so I, me, I, I I'd say that, I'd say they've got one nice game. Of those you mentioned, which is um, South Southampton's home, and they've like six pretty tough games. I I don't think because are they nine points ahead?
3: Are you are you saying those games? Yeah, they're they're no as of right now tonight. They're hmm. they're six. There there's six ahead of us with a game and
2: with a game in hand. Game in
3: hand. They've got seven games left. So
2: outside. I don't think they're gonna lose like lose three. That's gonna be a way to get in. I think they're going they might need to lose two and draw two. Might be a way in.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I that think, might that would be a way in. Uh, assuming one. we win all of our games.
0: You know. if they lose one, if they lose against Everton.
3: They start to panic and wobble a wee bit.
2: I think they're the points against by, Everton. By the way,
3: by the way, we're only we're only six points behind United now. We've got two games in hand. Um, we're six points behind them. That will be. Um, a and now that is a lot. But United have United's fixtures. You look at United's fixtures. They've got two sort of gimmies at home because they've got Wolves and Fulham at home. They're sort of on the beach. They're safe. They look like very. I mean, they've Fulham at home on the final day. They've got Bournemouth away and Chelsea at home. Their their last five games are actually Wolves, Bournemouth away, Chelsea at home, Fulham at home. They look really, really good for them. Um the, I think if United are going to wobble, it's going to be the next three games. It's going to be at Spurs with their new manager, Stroke, old manager, temporary manager back in, Ryan Mason. They've got them, they've got Villa at home and Brighton away. Then they've got to go to West Ham. So their next four look a bit tricky. But if you need to come through those four, they're cruising the last four. But...
0: Um, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying, Johnny. Andy, let's just finish up then. Um, It is you I'm coming to, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. I think good.
3: you're just ignoring Burrell at this
2: point. I think Burrell might be next, actually.
1: We, we can do a round. We can do a carousel. Carousel. There are as much as we talk about
0: the likelihood of this is a nice game, that's a tricky game. At this stage of the season, really fucking strange things happen to football teams. There are the most random and bizarre results that show up. And it's kind of, for me, just the order that they show up in matters. Leicester had not won a fucking game in forever how long? And then they beat my bed at the weekend. Class. Cheers. Fucking. Who is that gobshite who used to run his fucking Villa and Norwich? Dean Smith. Dean Smith just rocks up and turns them into like what looked like a really decent coherent football side. These random things can happen. So. Yeah. I feel like we might be the random thing that happens in the next five or six games. Because we've looked like doing nothing from the first ten minutes away to Fulham from the start of this Premier League season.
1: I think um, coming from last season, you know, and, and 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 last season we 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 were a, a whisker, a hair away from a quadruple. Uh, you could, you know, it's 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 really feasible to say that. Um, we, we didn't, but again, it's, it's, it's the journey and not, uh, you know, uh, one goal, uh, sometimes in it, but maybe one of the conclusions that, that, that was drawn, uh, was that we should be, um, as, as fit as possible in the, in the last 10 games, you know, uh, of the season, you know, in, in May, in April. And, I think we might be um, peeking at a, <laughs> at the wrong moment because you know uh, the season uh, is lost uh, if if you um, consider that we usually in the last five, five years have uh, have been uh, challenging for the title and for the Champions League and et cetera. But um, yeah, this season we aren't. But we seem to have found some sort of form some sort of shape that uh, that allows us to, to win games and and you know, uh, if you even if you don't look at the, the result that we achieved in the last two two games, the the dominance that we asserted is astonishing, I would say. Um, so yeah, maybe we are the team that has peaked in the wrong time, but maybe in in the right time, I don't I don't think it's it's you know very probable that we um uh you know if if uh, man United has 59 points and and two games you know six points more than than us and two games in hand uh, yeah I don't I don't think we, we we will um surpass them or you know um, pass them Newcastle they aren't used to to this and they are overachieving I would say with this uh, group of players but um, yeah more probable that we don't surpass them than that we will but you know uh, I, I I wouldn't say there is no chance so if if what I would just said is not just you know bullshit uh, thrown into the ether but yeah we are picking at the right moment so maybe, maybe
0: we do. Arsenal
1: splintered
0: right across the fucking board. Then yeah, we're going to get top four. I'm saying it. Oh,
1: okay.
0: I'm saying it. Okay. So Spurs
1: at the weekend.
0: Um, quick round the table, Johnny. It seems like it seems like there's a pretty a pretty set first eleven here at the minute. So do you think Klopp makes any changes? And what is your score prediction?
3: Oh, um, I'm just thinking of all the games and because we go again next week, don't we? Midweek, Saturday, it's two busy weeks.
0: So does everybody else, though.
3: Mm, I think he took Jota off after 58 minutes tonight, didn't he? He only played an hour. I I can't see any changes. I really can't. The, The only change I could maybe see is... Tiago okay. in, in for the captain. Okay. I thought yeah. Henderson was really poor tonight, by the way. I, know that's, I just thought he was poor. I just thought he's, he was don't careless. Disagree.
0: On the... Don't disagree, Johnny, but generally that doesn't matter.
3: No, I know. But anyway, let, let's cut to the chase. I don't expect changes. Score prediction. I think Spurs might give United a bit of a game because... They've just embarrassed themselves at the weekend. They've had to write a letter of apology to the Spurs fans that travelled. Ryan apparently they wanted Ryan Mason to take over. They wanted your man gone. I think they're at home. They'll put up a bit of fight. United are in town. I could see them getting something tomorrow night. To be honest, I think by then I'm going to go three-one Liverpool.
0: Oh, I thought that as well. Actually, Andy, same two questions. Do you see a change in the starting lineup and? Score prediction.
2: What's the right with Canati? Is he back?
0: It seemed like a knock where he may have been in contention,
2: but he so we all agree that if Kanate's back, we're we're playing him. But if he's not, we're playing Matip, probably. Probably, yeah. I think. Um, I would. I I'd, do...
3: I'd, I'd actually keep Matt after tonight's performance. I thought him and Van Dyke were really dominant. By the that way, that's just me.
2: I think there's an option
0: for that. Um. I think Maybe. there's also that there is also uh, a humming Sun conversation to be had around whether you play Mata or Kanate if Kanate is available.
2: The only other change I'd make, I'd do Diaz for Jada at this point. Would you? Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. I think Diaz has shown in the last two or three games, whichever games he's come in, that he's back to the level that he is, and. As much as I love Jota, as much as I think he can be effective, especially when he gets scrappy, I think like a, a full a full pelt Diaz is better than a full pelt Jota. And I think they're so both certainly. Do
0: you think the manager does it?
2: I think he might. I think
0: he likes Diaz. I think the same lines as Johnny is Jota doesn't come off after half an hour because, or after an hour because, um, He's not liking the way he's performing. That's with a view to Spurs. That's what I think, anyway. Same with Henderson, but there you go. Henderson will play. Of course he will. Same way John will play. I think that it's just, it's the same sentiment for me. Beryl, oh, score, Andy?
2: Uh, we'll win 2-1.
1: Okay, 2-1. Beryl, changes, any? Uh, I, I thought we played... Um... Better football after Hendo was taken off. He he was really poor tonight, I thought. How many but, pints uh, did I have with Jay at the weekend only?
2: I, I actually I didn't think he was poor, but I thought he was all right tonight. How many
0: pints did Barrel have of Jay at the weekend?
2: Yeah, uh, five or six.
0: Well, there you are there.
2: It's just,
1: <laughs> the influence is I a think powerful. within the
2: first ten <laughs> seconds, Jay had mentioned it as well. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But you know, um uh, I also um asked him if no no uh, I, I i told andy that uh, we know that uh, that that jade didn't like uh hendo 10 years ago uh, or you know at any other time that he was you know one of our best players and he admitted this was true so uh i consider myself um um someone who uh thinks of Hando, and I'm talking about uh John and uh, not Johnny Henderson but uh uh Jordan Henderson uh our, um our captain as an acquired taste but a, a taste that that I have acquired and I think he's a really important player but uh, I would think that it is time to you know try to a different player in his position at this moment of time, because. um But if Klopp does it, yeah, and, and uh, I think his loyalty will will get the best of him. But I, I thought yeah. we would play better football with with uh, Tiago, with and uh, I would agree with uh, with Andy that that maybe the time has come to to put in Lucho Diaz as. Uh, all, although I have to to say as well, you know, if Jota plays, I wouldn't have any concerns about that or any, you know, uh, if he, he, he is a player who always delivers in one way or another.
2: Dave, I'm just going to do 20 quick seconds. just to wind Jay up here uh, on Henderson tonight, because the oh, two okay. of them have said that if he was, you want
1: to take,
0: if you want to take 40 seconds, I'm okay with
2: that. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm the one to edit this at the end of the day. So, um, I actually thought Henderson was relatively good tonight off the ball. I understand when he gets the ball, he doesn't do an awful lot with it. He can be a little bit conservative. But the way Trent's playing right now, you no longer have that triangle on the right-hand side. You don't have Trent, Salah, Henderson out there. So Henderson actually bombing out that right-hand side, even if he's just given an option and not even taking the ball. I think that's important just to drag them out of position. And there were a couple of times Gatfield got the ball tonight and Henderson absolutely pelted it down that right-hand side to occupy the position that Trent would usually take. And although it's not the, the hardest thing to do in the world, I thought it was really important for us tactically tonight.
3: Can, can, uh, I, can I can I just say something? I would, just something on his performance tonight. We played away from home tonight in a Premier League game at West Ham, obviously. Do you know how many tackles Henderson had in the hour he was on the pitch? None. None. Didn't okay. put in one tackle. I'm just so, going to say that to me is just, that's a bit bizarre in the Premier League from a midfielder who's supposedly in all action and he's in there for his physicality and his running.
0: So saying, I don't want to get drawn into this too much, Johnny, but what I think what Andy's saying is it's fair, it's accurate. It's what, it's what actually happened. What I also saw actually happen was, Henderson at times literally playing right-sided centre half, um, just mm. just filling just filling the space, just filling the space. And
3: yeah, and uh, did you more, know what Dave? Like I'd say what you say about Mason Mount. I mean, I get that entirely. I just think look.
0: So, do you know what Tony? Actually, it's, that's a really good. It's a really good example. I would say there's every chance we sign Mason Mount. And Klopp asks Mason Mount to do what Jordan Henderson does. And he does it absolutely expertly in the eyes of the manager. He's doing exactly what I've asked him to do. And there is a huge element of fan base, same as Chelsea's fan base, that are giving Mason Mount helters. Do you know what I
3: just think, though, Dave? Like That might be true, but there were just a lot of occasions tonight where I just think, Henderson doesn't have the power, running and energy. I Man, maybe it's a collective thing in midfield anymore, and that's okay. You Get that with age.
0: That's not. A there, tr- that's but, not but, a fair criticism.
3: But there were so many situations tonight where he had space in front of him, and just technically, as touch as as. Just seeing that pass and executing the pass, getting the ball out of his feet, it's just, it's not at the level it should be for the team we want to be. I just, it Tommy, just, I can, frustrated the I can, life out of me tonight watching him. I, I, I can get
2: somewhere. bored of that as well.
0: I will come back to the analogy that I always use. It's the Manchester United-Alex Ferguson-European Cup semi-final. And who does he pick in his midfield? He picks fucking Darren Fletcher and Park Tsung. and oh, wow. that's who he is. because that's who he knows. I know you're not the best footballers in the world. I know you're not even the best footballers in this squad. But if I tell you to do something, I know you're gonna you're gonna break your neck to do it, and you'll do it exactly the way I want you to do it. And for me, you might have your criticisms with Jordan Henderson. You might have and understand of where his shortcomings are, but the manager picks him week in, week out for that very reason. So, on that note, lads, thanks for joining us. Until next time, up the finishing in the top four, Jordan fucking Henderson, Tactical Masterclass Reds.